Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. I'm just noticing that today's episode is number 142. I have done 142 episodes dealing with some aspect of what it means to live consciously, love consciously, and attract a healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship. And so along those lines, this current series that I'm doing, that's all about relationship laws, I call it laws of love and life, but I'm really looking at what are the laws that govern relationships and and really relationships with anyone, not just an intimate partner. These laws, because they are laws apply to any relationship we have with our children, with our friends, with our parents, with our co-workers. These, these are laws that are operating. They are the laws of the, you could say, the relationship universe. And I've been making the point that just as there are laws of physics that we don't choose, they are operating like the law of gravity. We don't choose to use the law of gravity. It's always operating. We're either going to respect it and get in line with it, or we're going to test it and jump off a building and find out that we don't get to choose the law of gravity. (laughs) Okay, So that's the idea with these laws. We are not deciding I'm going to use this law. No, it is using us. It is operating. We are sort of like fish swimming in the water of these laws. They're all around us. They are operational. And so the issue becomes, are we going to become aware of these laws and get in alignment with them? Are we going to learn how to use these laws or are we going to remain sort of in the dark And allow these laws to use us, which always leads to drama and a heartbreak and disappointment. The underlying, you know, real philosophy behind this series is that when you align yourself with the relationship laws of the universe, you are going to feel better. You are going to have a a greater sense of joy and well-being and connection and harmony and intimacy. But if we don't, if we fight against the truth, (laughs) then we are going to lose. It's like my, uh, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Byron Katie says, you know, you can argue with reality, but you're just going to lose all the time. You know, you're, you're just going to lose, but always. (laughs) Okay. So that's what this is about. And so the first law that I pointed to, probably the most famous law in terms of relationships anyway, is the law of attraction, okay? And that was episode one in this five-part series. By the way, it's going to be a five-part series now. I I added one. Um, I I can't say I added a law. I remembered a law. (laughs) It's always been there. I just kind of forgot about it, but I thought I need to include this. You know, if we want to have a holistic conversation about how to create healthy, sustainable relationships. But the law of attraction was week number one. Now, once I did that, really week number two should have been today's topic, which is the law of opposites. Because on the surface, they seem completely contradictory, right? The law of attraction basically says like attracts like. You attract after your own kind. Birds of a feather flock together. Okay, so the law of attraction means like attracts like. But then what about this idea that we hear that opposites attract? What the hell? (laughs) 
<laughs> Which is it? Because those two are directly contradictory. Either like attracts like or opposites attract. Which is it? And so I should have done the law of attraction in week one and I should have followed it up with today's episode. But the reason I did the law of attention last week was because that podcast came out during the week of Thanksgiving. And I thought it was just kind of appropriate and culturally appropriate to talk about gratefulness, thankfulness, and because an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness is largely or maybe completely determined by what you do with your attention. Right, If your attention is on all the things that you feel you don't have, things that have gone wrong, people that have mistreated you, things that are lacking, things that are missing, if that's where your attention is, then you're not going to be a very thankful, generous, joyful person. Right, You're going to be kind of miserable. You're going to be kind of dark. You're going to be bitter because that's, your attention creates your mood. It creates your inner sense of emotion, I guess you could say. But if your attention is on what you have and what is not missing and, you know, if it's placed in that direction, well, then it's like gratefulness and thanksgiving are easy because you're focused on the things that you do have, the things that are not missing, the things that you're grateful for. You're noticing and we talked about this last week, that the idea is that no matter how my life is unfolding, the current life that I'm living, somebody on this planet would die to have the life that we're having. Like we are always living somebody's dream. Okay? And when, so your gratefulness, your thankfulness is largely determined upon what you're looking at. If you look upwards to people and things that that they have more money than you, they're more beautiful than you, they have more things than you do, they have more success than you do. If you look at that, you're going to have envy and jealousy and bitterness and resentment. But if you look the other way, and I don't want to say down because that's it's not really nobody's above us or below us, but I think you get my point. If I focus on Tiger Woods or Rory McIlroy and the guys on the Ryder Cup team and I focus on them, I'm going to feel like a failure and a piece of shit. I mean, why can't I be as good as them? Why don't I make as much money as them? Why don't I have my own private jet? All right. But if I look at people who have never played on the PGA Tour and never won a professional tournament, never shot in the 60s, well, that frame of reference changes my entire inner state, does it not? So it's sort of like, which way are you looking? Are you looking at what's missing or are you looking at what you have? I mean, you're going to compare yourself to people. That's what your ego does. Your ego is a kind of a big blob of comparison. <laughs> That's what the ego is. It's Comparison and competitiveness. That's what the ego is in you or me. So what are you comparing yourself against? What you compare yourself against is going to determine how you feel on the inside. So I thought that was appropriate to talk about that during the week of Thanksgiving when the podcast launched. But in essence, I should have backed up after the law of attraction. I should have said, well, now, if the law of attraction is true, and it is, and it, you're either going to use it to your benefit or it's going to create problems for you, I should have followed that up with a discussion about the law of opposites and had this conversation with you like we're going to have right now as to what gives, Roy, because those are contradictory. Okay? So we're going to answer three questions today. The first one is, how do I make sense of this idea of like attracts like versus opposites attract? That's the first question. The second one is going to be this. Okay, if opposites attract, then how are we supposed to understand compatibility? 
right? If, if opposites are attracted to each other, then is compatibility nonsense? Like what is compatibility? Because compatibility sounds a lot like like attracts like. If like attracts like, then yeah, that's what compatibility is. But if opposites attract, then how can two people be opposites and compatible? Okay, that's the second question. Then the third question is, how how do we use the law of opposites in our lives? I'm going to give you some examples and I want to point to a couple of different dynamics on how we need to embrace this idea that we are going to end up with someone who is opposite of us. And that is a good thing. And I want to talk about how that happens and how that fleshes itself out. Does that make sense? Okay, so first question. How is it that like attracts like and opposites attract? And I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Those seem to be completely contradictory. And on one level, they are contradictory. But there is such a thing as paradox, especially in the spiritual, psychological world, that two things that appear to be opposites can both be true. It's paradoxical. It'll make your head spin. But I'm going to do my best to try to explain it to you because both of those are true, even though they are contradictory. It's just that they are talking about different aspects of our lives. So they really don't intersect. They're talking about different levels of our experience, different parts of our lives. So in one part of our lives, it is very true that like attracts like, and that's what's going on, and that's happening whether you like it or not. But in another part of our lives, opposites are attracting. So I've been thinking for days about how could I explain this to you? And I, and I, 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 I sort of want to come up with a real life thing. And I'm going to admit to you that my example is not going to be the perfect example. You could probably poke holes in it. Um, but I'm going to use it because most people are going to be familiar with what I'm going to describe. And that is the connection between Taylor Swift and Jason Kelsey. Now, most people hearing the sound of my voice know who Taylor Swift is. And you probably, well, unless you live under a rock, she's the most famous, certainly musician in the world today. Um, and she's dating one of the most famous, accomplished football players in the world. His name is Travis Kelsey. He plays tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's still playing, so he's not eligible for the Hall of Fame. But you will not find anybody on the planet that follows football that's not going to tell you the minute he retires, he's going straight into the Hall of Fame. First ballot. This guy, if he's not the best tight end of all time, he's close. So he's very good. He's very famous for anyone that knows football. He's very wealthy. Okay? So in a sense, when we say like attracts like, I'm saying, yeah, Taylor Swift, who is the best at what she does, who is very wealthy, very good looking, very successful, she is not going to feel attracted to me. <laughs> I'm not on her level. I'm nowhere in her realm. Do you follow me? I mean, she's going to be attracted to someone else who is famous, perhaps the best at what they do, probably very wealthy because they go together, right? They, they're on the same level. They kind of understand the same lifestyle, right? They're both very wealthy. They're both very famous. They both deal with paparazzi. They both have to deal with the media. Neither one of them has any privacy when they go out to a restaurant. Now, certainly, Taylor is way more famous than, than Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey could possibly walk into a restaurant in 
New York City and somebody might say, there's a big guy and he's quite handsome. Looks like he's very fit, but they really might not know who he is. There's no way for Taylor Swift to walk in anywhere and not have someone say, that's Taylor Swift. Okay, so I'm not saying Jason Kelsey is as famous as her, but they're sort of on the same level. Do you get it? Like attracts like. Taylor Swift is not going to go out with a high school football coach. She's not going to feel attracted. You follow me? So in, in one sense, when we say like attracts like, we're talking about what I would say is our essence or our persona, sort of like our way of being, that we attract after our own kind. Okay, So on a very basic level, that would mean somebody rich and famous would probably find themselves attracted to somebody else who's rich and famous, right? They, they kind of go together like cookies and milk. You know, very rarely do you see a famous athlete or Hollywood movie star ending up marrying somebody from the other side of the tracks. Like that movie, Pretty Woman. I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen, right? A wealthy billionaire investment capitalist doesn't end up marrying a hooker. You know, it just... It just, right, like attracts like. It just, it's it's a fun movie. It's a wonderful movie. It it always makes me cry. It's a you know, extremely codependent movie. That's a whole other story. But it's a fantasy. You know what I mean? That, it, that, that doesn't happen. Now, you're going to say, oh, I've heard of this or that where it actually did. Okay, that's why I'm saying some of my examples here, you, can, you could poke holes in them. But I'm speaking in, in generalities here that... Like attracts like means that on a level of essence or persona, our way of being, we are, we are attracted to someone who's on the same level as us. Now, what I talked about in the law of attraction is that's more than just whether we're rich or famous. It applies more to our, our personas, our ways of being. So I use the example of my life. Because of my mommy issues, I developed a way of being, a, a persona that I call Roy the Rescuer or Casanova. And I learned as a little boy who wanted to be close to his mother that if I want the attention and affection of a beautiful woman, then if I made my life be about taking care of hers, if I made myself a good boy, if I was good boy Roy, then I felt warmth and affection and attention from my mother. So I learned an unconscious dynamic that the way you get the attention and affection of a beautiful woman is if you make your life be about making her happy and taking care of her. Okay. Now I didn't choose that. I didn't wake up one day and say, this is who I want to be. It's who I I learned to be simply because I wanted to survive and I wanted to feel love and connection as a very little boy. But I didn't know I was doing this. I didn't know it when I was three, four, five years old, when this was being formed in me. So now I'm 45, 50, and I'm finding that that script is still playing itself out in my life. There's still this unconscious type of belief that the way you get the attention of a beautiful woman is about having your life be about taking care of her. If you are the world's greatest boyfriend, if you're a good boy, Roy, then you're going to get a beautiful woman to want to be with you. So that was my persona, Roy the Rescuer. But like attracts like, which means that persona is going to attract its reciprocal playmate, right? I'm going to attract a woman who's also in a persona, but her persona is going to fit with mine. And so I described how I was in the habit of attracting women who are damsels in distress, women who needed rescuing. They, 
they fit perfectly with Roy the Rescuer. <laughs> they, they go together like cookies and milk. Okay? So not only do people find like attracts like in terms of if you're rich and famous and that kind of thing, but it's on this darker level, this deeper level, that on this level of essence and persona, there are cookies and milk going on here. My persona is going to be attracted to the reciprocal persona that fits me, right? So we talked about, you know, women who complain about, I keep attracting narcissists. I keep attracting narcissistic men and that kind of thing. Well, what they, what they can guarantee is that if they're attracting men who have a persona as a narcissist, because it's not who they are, it's a way that they have learned to be in order to succeed or to feel safe or to get love. Narcissism is a persona. It's a fear-driven way of being. It's not their essence, right? Their essence is spirit like you. But they've learned to be narcissistic because at some point in their life, they had to fight for themselves. They had to you know, be selfish in order to be safe or to get love or to succeed at something. So they've became a narcissist. They have developed this narcissistic persona, okay? Well, that narcissism, that self-absorption is attracted to a certain kind of person who is your opposite. So both of these laws are operating now. The narcissist is attracted to the empath or the highly sensitive person, the highly unselfish person, the helper, the giver, the nurturer, the caregiver. Do you see how they go together? One is completely unselfish. The other one is totally selfish. One is self-absorbed. The other is self-effacing or self-ignoring. They go together. I often joke that two narcissists could never be in the same relationship because they're both self-absorbed. They both would be saying, it's about me. No, it's about me. No, it's about me. They would fight like cats and dogs. There would be no chemistry. There would be no harmony, if I can use that word, even though it's it doesn't fit. The harmony is between Roy the rescuer and the damsel. The harmony is between the narcissist and the empath. Okay? So that's like attracts like. You're attracting someone at your level of consciousness. The, the law of attraction is making the point that we attract after our level of consciousness or our way of being or according to our personas. Okay? The law of opposites is saying that even though that's happening, on a different level, on the level of what I might call our experience and our personality, you will attract someone who's opposite. So on a level of essence, this is complicated, I know, stick with me. On the level of essence and persona, that's the law of attraction. Like attracts like. But on the level of our experience, and our personalities. It's the law of opposites. So back to my example. Taylor Swift is going to be, and she's always been with men that are famous and rich and talented and very good at what they do. She's always going to be that way. There's, there's no way that she ever ends up being really attracted to someone who makes 40 grand a year and works at a construction site and it's just, they would have nothing in common. Maybe that's a great way of saying the law of attraction is about what we have in common, meaning Roy the Rescuer has something in common with a damsel, right? They're kind of at the same level. You follow me? But so while, uh, while Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey like attracts like, you can guarantee that in their level of personality and their level of experience or their level of energy, they're opposites of each other. 
Don't they look like opposites? Travis is this big, burly football player. And Taylor is this beautiful, soft kind of creature, right? They're they're like complete opposites, right? He is the rough and tumble, you know, type of guy, you know, and probably very structured, probably very disciplined, probably, you know what I mean? And, And she's the creative type. She's the artist, right? You don't look at Travis Kelsey and say he's artistic. He's creative, right? He's not writing poetry. He's not singing songs. He's catching a football and running through a wall. (laughs) Okay? So they're opposites. And that is attractive. You see, Taylor and her creativity and her femininity, we'll get to that in a minute, her feminine, creative, juicy flow is attracted to his rough and tumble, to his masculine, to his macho, you could say. And I don't mean that in a bad bad way. He's a macho guy. And to Taylor, in a good way. She's like, oh, yeah. I can climb up all over him and he can hold me. He's sturdy. He's a rock. He's dependable. Right? And Travis is attracted to her wildness. Right? Taylor's wet. Travis is dry. Those two, that goes together. There's a strange attraction between masculine and feminine. Between the flow and the go. Between the structured and the wild. Between the athletic and the artistic. Do you see that? So, though they are on the same level of consciousness, on the level of their energy and their personality, they are very much opposites. And that's where the juice of attraction comes from. So, do you start to understand the differences now and, and how both laws are true? The law of attraction is true. The law of opposites are true. They seem contradictory, but but they're not because they're talking about different things. And these laws are happening in your life. You're going to be attracted to someone who is on your level of consciousness. That's why all of my work is about getting you in relationship shape. Getting you to be the most mindful, conscious, evolved, healthy person you can be. Because you are always going to attract a partner who is as healthy as you are. You're always going to attract someone who is on your level. So it's useless to try to find a good man or a good woman. Because the law of attraction says you will only end up being attracted to and attracting someone who is on your level. So it's way more important to focus on your own level If you raise your own level, if you grow and evolve and you function at a higher, healthier level, then you will only fit with people who are functioning at a higher level. Do you follow me? So that's why I always say it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. You're always going to attract someone who's on the same level you are. Now that cuts to the quick. Because we all want to say, no, I was with a partner because they were narcissistic and I was all healthy. No, you weren't. You would never have had any attraction to them if you were. (laughs) You might outgrow someone, but the minute you outgrow them, the relationship's over. There is like attracts like now. You're in opposition to it. So if your level increases and the other person is not growing, not evolving, operating by a whole different set of principles and values, then the two of you don't fit anymore. There is no attraction. And, you know, that can happen. But in the beginning, the idea that you could blame your relationship history on your partner is nonsense. You can't blame it on them. 
You attracted them because they were at the same level you were. That's why I can't blame any of the damsels in distress that I attracted in my life. How could I blame them when I was walking around as a rescuer? Those are the only women that would ever work with me. (laughs) They're the only women that would ever have any chemistry with me or that I would feel any chemistry with. So it's not their fault. There's nothing wrong with them. I can't blame my relationship history that I just haven't met the right person yet. No, I always meet the right person. It's just that the person I'm meeting and connecting with is a reflection of my own level of conscious maturity. Always. So if you want a healthier relationship, it's not about finding someone healthier. It's about being healthier. And then the law of attraction works for you. But when you do that, so like I went from meeting damsels and I work with a coach, which is how I found out about all this. I learned about this in my own life. I mean, she already understood these dynamics. And when she coached me, she exposed me to them. And I'm like, oh my God. And that's where I discovered my mommy issues is through working with my coach. And she says, yeah, you're playing out your mommy issue, even though you're 45 with these other women. You want to continue being a rescuer? You're always going to meet a woman who's a damsel. How's that working for you? Well, it's not. It sucks. We end up fighting and it just doesn't work long term. She says, exactly. Persona connections never work long term. So she said, do you want to let go of your persona and find your authentic self? You want to, you want to learn how to let go of being Roy the rescuer? I'm like, uh, duh, yes, I do, because I don't want this drama in my love life anymore. I don't want to keep attracting these codependent dynamics. She said, great. Well, let's have a discussion about who is the authentic Roy, not the Roy you became when you were a little boy to survive your childhood and get mommy's love. Forget mommy. That's not, it's just not an issue anymore. Who are you authentically? So when I began to find my authentic self, which means I was growing and evolving and becoming a more healthy person, I was getting out of my codependent patterns and letting go of my limiting beliefs and my my blind spots. You know, I became aware of Casanova, of being Roy the Rescuer, and I learned who I was if I set all that aside. So then when I moved out into the world and said, I'm interested in meeting a woman, I didn't have to ask, where do I meet the healthy, evolved women? They would be the only ones I would ever connect with. Do you follow that? They would be the only ones I would ever feel chemistry with. If I met another woman who was in a damsel energy, I would be, ew. No, I, you might be hot as shit. You might be the best lover in the world, but I don't want to be with you because we don't fit because like attracts like. So when I was in a healthier place, I didn't have to worry about meeting someone else that was healthy. That's the only person I would meet. And I bumped into my wife who had spent three years with a therapist working on her persona and her shit, (laughs) right? She had done her work. So she was on a higher level, a healthier level of functioning and being. And when I bumped into her, it was chemistry, Not because she was great looking, and she was and is. Not because she found me handsome. She did and she does. But because on this level of essence, we were the same. Now, even though we were both the same in our essence and had let go of our personas and so like attracts like, I'm here to tell you, This woman is so opposite of me, it'd make your head spin. So we're the same in our inner essence, at our level of consciousness. But we are completely opposite. And that's part of the attraction. Because here's the newsflash. On a purely psychological level, not a spiritual or consciousness level, But on a purely psychological level, 
we are all very lopsided. All of us. That means you. That means me. We're lopsided. We're sort of one-dimensional. We have our hang-ups. We have our ways of thinking and moving and living and doing. And we're not balanced. We're sort of crooked. We're sort of lopsided. And so opposites attract. So you are going to find that on a psychological level, you're going to find yourself mysteriously attracted to someone who is lopsided from you in the dead opposite way. So let me give you a couple of examples of this. My, I often joke, you know the story of the tortoise and the hare? That is me and my wife. I'm a fast-moving person. I drive fast. I walk fast. I talk fast. I decide fast. I do everything fast. I, I'm just perpetually in a hurry for some fucking reason. I don't even know. Okay? So I'm the hare. She's a tortoise. The woman moves at a pace like a glacier. We can walk down the street, and if I'm not careful, I'm going to be walking five yards ahead of her because I just I walk faster. And she's back there, you know, kind of walking around, enjoying, looking around, and she's in no hurry to get anywhere. I can't drive with the woman. She, If she's driving the car, I can't do it. She, she drives, drives so slow, it makes me insane. <laughs> okay? So I'm lopsided. I'm like in a hurry to get everywhere and she's lopsided that she's very slow moving and she decides everything slowly and she's so thoughtful and so cautious to a fault. She really is. She'd be the first one to tell you that her thoughtfulness and her indecisiveness and how slowly she moves and how difficult it is for her to decide, she would tell you that's not a good quality necessarily. Sometimes it can come in handy, but she, she'd be the first one to tell you that, that her psychology is a little lopsided there. She could use to be a little bit more centered, to make a decision, to move forward, to decide, you know what I mean? It, to, to, to go in a direction and not spin in a circle. So why do you think she's attracted to me? Because I embody all of that. You see, so the part of her that she has disowned, her risk-taking, aggressive, decisive self that she's disowned, she sees it in me. And she's attracted to it. But see, the part of me, I've disowned the thoughtful, cautious, relaxed, Slow down, enjoy life, smell the flowers. There's nowhere to go. I've just owned that part in me. And when I met her, it was like, I need that. I need that. My lopsidedness needs to be balanced by her lopsidedness. That's why the universe puts us together. That's why the, the law of opposites is actually working in your favor. Because left to yourself, you'll fuck it up. <laughs> because you have your bias, right? You have your way. And you're lopsided in your psychology, in your way of living, your way of being. And it comes in real handy to have somebody who's opposite of you, around you. To balance you out. To show you another way. So on one level... It's an unbelievable positive, and it's why we're attracted to our opposites, because in a sense, oh, I don't even want to say this out loud, in a sense, they complete us on a level of our lopsided psychology. So I can look at my wife and say, I'm so glad you're in my life, and I'm so glad you're so opposite from me, because I do need to slow down. I need to learn that. Can you teach me how to live at your pace? Can you, sh can you help me become more thoughtful? Because sometimes I can make decisions too quickly, too fast for my own good. Let me give you an example of this. I think I've shared this before. You, if I have to go to the mall to buy something, I'm liable to make a mistake in what I'm buying for myself. 
because I just want to get the fuck out of there so fast. I want to walk in. I want to find it, buy it and get out and come home. And I cannot tell you the number of times I've come home with something that doesn't fit. Something that's not right. That when I stop and think about it or when I actually try it on. See, I'll go and buy clothes and not try them on. It's a large, oh, it fits. I'm just going to buy it because I just got to, I got to get it done. I got to get this task over with. I got to move on to the next thing. Do you see that I should go shopping with my wife? Because it just backfires. If left to myself, I'm going to fuck it up. (laughs) But if I go with her, it's like, oh God, we're going to be here for hours. Yeah, but you're going to get something that you like. You're going to end up with something that fits. And at the end of the day, you're going to be thankful that Miss Tortoise was with you. Do you follow me? So you want to be attracted to someone who's your opposite because they're going to balance you out. But here's what you already know. They're going to drive you absolutely fucking nuts because they see the world differently than you do. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, at some point right now, everything's brand new. She says, oh, you're so rough and tumble. Like, I'm sure their sex is great. He probably throws her all over the room and she just loves being ravished, you know, and taken by his aggressive strength and power, right? But at some point, she's going to say, you're a bully. (laughs) And he'll be like, I thought you loved it when I was a bully. Well, so (laughs) at some point, even though opposites attract and that's good for us and that's why the universe does it for our own growth and for our own safety in a way, for our own good. Being with someone who's opposite of you is going to drive you insane because your ego thinks that your way deep down is right. See, my way of doing things is right and her way of doing things is wrong. And once the romance phase wears off in a relationship, you you will find that the very things that attracted you to this person in the beginning now drive you insane. See, my wife is way more liberal than me. I mean, I'm not on the right, but I'm more of a centrist. She's way more liberal. In the beginning, that was so sexy. She was so compassionate. She was so concerned with the disenfranchised and and the the people who are left behind. I was just so attracted because I've disowned my compassionate side very much. I saw it in her. I said, ah. And then we're together and she wants to give money to people that we don't even know and because she just wants to help people out that are suffering. I'm like, what? <laughs> like her bleeding heart now drives me insane. Do, do you see it? But on the level of my growth, I need a little bit more of a bleeding heart. And for her, she needs a little bit more of a callous heart. She needs to be able to recognize that people are creating their lives and they are not victims that need to be taken care of, largely. Sometimes people are needing to be taken care of. That's a whole different discussion. But do you, do you see what I'm describing there? Do you see that, that I'm more of the, you know, people are responsible for themselves and she's more of the bleeding heart. And in the beginning, that was like sexy to me. Because I've disowned that part of myself. I'm lopsided. And she she felt like my clear-headedness about that kind of stuff, that was sexy to her. Because she's disowned that part of herself. But then after a while, I'm a callous bum and you're a bleeding heart liberal. <laughs> Do you see? Do you see? So this is happening in your life and it's going to happen and you can't avoid it. You're going to be attracted to someone who's opposite of you. You're just going to be. Now let's circle back to the idea of compatibility. Well, you see, compatibility doesn't have anything to do with psychological sameness. It doesn't mean we, we move at the same pace. We decide the same way that we're both introverts or we're both extroverts. It it doesn't mean that our personalities are the same. It means that we want to live the same lifestyle and we operate by the same values. 
You see, compatibility is about having compatible levels of consciousness. My wife and I, first, we want to live the same lifestyle. But we're also committed to the same rules of our relationship, the same values. We operate by the same principles. I call it the dating manifesto, the 10 commitments of conscious dating and relating. We're committed to those together. We're compatible in the way in which we want to do our relationship. But that doesn't mean we have the same personalities and that we move in the world in the same way. Uh Uh-uh. Right? So compatibility is about your having compatible life purposes, not having all kinds of shared interests or being like-minded in your personalities. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to find someone who is opposite of you in every single way. No, you could have two introverts that want to be together. You could have two people that make decisions, you know, kind of in the same way. You can have two people that live at the same pace of life. But as you start to examine all the different facets of your personality and your partner's personality, though you might be same in those, you're going to find a bunch of others that, no, we really are different here. Because the law, because opposites attract. So you are in alignment with the law of opposites when you notice your partner's different than me, and that's a good thing. And that our differences are not about I'm right and they're wrong. It's not about the purpose of this relationship is for me to change my wife into being my little robot to being just like me. No, that ain't it. The law of opposite means that you recognize you are together for your own growth, that I need to learn from her and she needs to learn from me because there is this place within me where I can be more balanced, where I can be aggressive and decisive, but thoughtful and cautious, where I can be sort of responsibility, hard-headed and a bleeding heart, both in the same being. That I can be able to move quickly, but relax and move slowly. And so she's in my life to teach me how to be what I have disowned in my own life and vice versa. So then I see her as my ally, not my enemy, when I'm noticing how fucking different she is than me. I choose to see that she's my opposite for my benefit. I don't see her as a pain in the ass, at least not very often. (laughs) I mean, I do sometimes when I, when I think I'm right about something, right? We all do that. But deep down, I'm like, no, it would be bad for me to be in a relationship with someone just like me. It, It really, it would be, it would be bad. We'd, we'd end up doing like what I do in a mall, coming away, making wrong decisions just because we want to get it over with and get it done with and move on to the next thing. That would be bad if I didn't have anyone around me to say, slow down, let's think about this. That's irritating, but it's beneficial. Am I making myself clear there? Now, I want to wrap up by having a brief conversation with you about one aspect of how the law of opposites can really sabotage you, okay? And that is you are very, very likely to attract someone who is opposite from you in the amount of intimacy you need. There's a spectrum in our need for intimacy and connection and closeness. There are some people that need a ton of it, that they want to be close. They want to be connected. They want to have ongoing conversations. They want to see somebody all the time. You know, they don't like being alone. They want to be close. They want to be close. They want to be close. Very often that kind of person ends up being attracted to someone who needs more space. I'm not saying they don't want a relationship, but they, they need more space in their life. They need more room to breathe. They need more autonomy. They need more alone time. 
So you are very likely to attract someone who is the opposite of you in terms of your need for closeness. One person is going to be wanting a little bit more separateness and you want a little bit more closeness. Now, I'm not saying that you are miles apart, okay? I mean, but there's going to be most likely you're going to find that as your relationship develops, this is what happens, okay? This is going to be a great insight for you. In the beginning, people get together, they connect, there's chemistry, we want to see each other all the time, we're having sex all the time, you know, we're spending all of our days together and weeks and we're just enthralled with each other, right? That's very often what happens. We have our jobs and we might have our kids, but we're so excited about finding this person that every waking minute we're on the phone or we're texting or we're we're meeting up somewhere to just to see each other. Maybe we're, you know, we're just, we're going to have sex. We're just going to go out, right? We're just kind of all into each other for a while. And then at some point, one person in the relationship, it appears they begin to pull away. They begin to say something like, it's Friday night. I kind of want to go hang out with my girlfriends. Or it's, it's Sunday. I want to go to the bar and watch football with my buddies. And all of a sudden, there's a complete shift in what's been going on for weeks or months. Right? For weeks or months, we've been all up in each other's business, and it's been great. But at some point, that person who has less of a need for closeness than you is going to be the first person to initiate, I need to get away to go do something separate. Now, here's what happens when that happens. The person who has a stronger need for closeness is going to interpret that to mean, well, you don't love me anymore. You're not into me. You're, you, I, you haven't texted me all day. So that must mean your feelings have changed. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all, necessarily. It just might mean that after the romance phase begins to wear off a little bit, this person's innate need for separateness or autonomy or freedom begins to surface. And they're not feeling smothered. They don't feel like they don't love you. They don't feel like they want to, don't want to see you anymore. There's something in them that says, I just want to go do something with my friends or with a hobby. And it appears they're pulling away, but they're not. They're simply reflecting that what's coming to the surface is they have a different need for the amount of closeness. And if you don't understand that, then if you're the one who has that strong need for closeness, you're going to glom onto them. You're going to blow their phone up. You're going to feel very needy and you're going to chase after them. And where are you going? And and blah, blah, blah. And I miss you and I'm lonely. And they're going to then feel trapped. They're going to feel like you're not respecting my need for some autonomy here. So now I feel trapped and now I'm gone. Do you follow me? But if you understand and if you, if you know I am going to be attracted to someone who has a different need for closeness and intensity than I do, then when that starts to show up, you'll be like, oh, I get it. I get it. You still love me. You just need some time to yourself. That's great. Or the other person can say, they're all over me. They want to spend every waking moment of of their life with me. I get it. They have a bigger need for closeness than me. I don't have to run away afraid. We can actually talk about the fact that we have different intimacy needs. And if we can talk about it and we can respect each other, nobody's right and nobody's wrong. You're not wrong for wanting to be with me every moment of every day. And I'm not wrong for wanting to go be with my friends or do my hobbies and kind of get away from you. Neither one of those things are wrong. And they're not incompatible. We can work it out where we come together and then we have time apart. And we come together and we have time apart. What does that sound like? We come together, time apart. We inhale, we exhale. We inhale, we exhale. 
a conscious relationship is like breathing. You can't always inhale. You will die from the carbon dioxide that you're not expelling out of your lungs. You can't just inhale, 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 inhale. And a, a couple cannot just be together, be together, be together, be together. You will suffocate. And you can't just exhale, 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 exhale. Then you won't have any oxygen and you will die. So you have to find this balance, don't you? Between inhale and exhale. Inhale and exhale. That's how you live. And that's how a relationship lives. It finds its balance between closeness and separateness. Coming together, being apart. Inhale, exhale. Now here's the key. No two couples are the same in this regard. Because no two people have the same need for inhale or exhale. You, with your partner, eventually, since you know about this, this is one of the first things you're going to discuss once your relationship is really cooking. How do we navigate our flow together? Because one of you is going to want to spend more time with the other person than the other person does. And if you don't understand this, you're going to think they just don't love me as much as I love you. That is not true. Absolutely not true. But if you know a relationship has to breathe, then you find the way that your relationship needs to to breathe. And some couples will have more time together. They don't need that much time apart. Other couples will need a lot of time apart and a little time together. That's their rhythm. That's how they breathe. So it's not the same for everyone, but you are going to attract someone who has a different need for closeness than you do. I believe this is one of the things, a lot of people come to me and they're like, I'm in relationships and usually at the three to six month mark, we just start getting in fights and we break up. None of my relationships go past the six month mark. And it's almost always because of this. Because by then, the romance thing has kind of faded away. And now their innate personalities are coming out. And they're finding out that they're opposites. And their opposites are being misinterpreted as a lack of love or lack of commitment. And they don't know about this relationship breathing idea. And they can't navigate it. They can't find a new rhythm. Because basically the romance phase is all inhale, right? (laughs) You're just sucking the other person in. (laughs) Literally, physically, energetically, emotionally, just I can't get enough. I'm I'm sucking you into my body, right? But after a while, you can't live like that. And someone says, I need some time away. And that very often leads to a huge fight or a huge fear. I have clients all the time telling me that I've connected with this guy or with this girl and then I don't hear from them from a day. What's going on? Well, most likely the person they're not hearing from doesn't have the same need for closeness. And that's being interpreted as, I think they're not, they're not really into me. They're not really ready for a relationship. That might not be true. I mean, it might be true, but very often it's not. They might have a bigger need for separateness. And they had a great night with you last night. And you had wild sex. You had a romantic dinner. You talked. You connected. And they need a day away. They, they can't do that again two days in a row. But you could. But if you don't understand that, you will interpret their absence as, well, they just don't really care about me. Because, you see, if somebody cares about me, then they will treat me the way I'm treating them. You see, we project our need for closeness onto the other person because we think we're normal. This is what normal is. And so if the other person isn't like me, well, then we're not a good fit. You're going to destroy yourself. If the other person is not like me, then they must not love me. No, not true. So the classic way this shows up is in the anxious attachment style, attracting the avoidance style. 
Remember I said like attracts like? Yeah. When you have an anxious attachment style, that's a persona. That's not your essence. In your essence, you are completely healthy, which is the third attachment style, right? There's the healthy style, the anxious style, the avoidance style. Apart from your fears and your baggage and your history and the way you were raised and all of your past pain, that's what creates your anxious attachment style or your avoidance style. So when you are in your avoidant, uh, your anxious persona, like attracts like, you're going to attract someone who is the avoidant type. You're on the same level. They're afraid of closeness. You're afraid of of separateness and you go together like cookies and milk. (laughs) You're going to be attracted to each other. But if you understand that and if you can own your anxious style and they can own their avoidance style, then you can work together and say, I think the healthy dynamic would be for us to find a rhythm where you have a need for, you have more of a need for closeness than I do. And I respect that. So I do want to spend time with you. And I I do want to go places with you. And I, I, I do want to connect with you. But can we find a way that I have my freedom? That I have my time away? Can we find our rhythm of our inhaling and exhaling? Okay. Do you see how, how beautiful that can be? All right. So that is the the law of opposites. It works in conjunction with the law of attraction. Now, I am sure that all of these things that I have brought up have raised questions for you, have been challenging to hear. You're like, oh my God, I, I, I have so many things that I want to say about this or what about this situation in my life? Because I'm just speaking... In generalities here, right? I'm just speaking about principles. There is your specific life that these ideas need to be applied to. And your life is unique. Your personality is unique. Your background's unique. So the question you might be having is how do I apply these things to my situation? given my life, my family, my upbringing, my love life situation, whatever it might be. That's where individual coaching comes in, is we understand these ideas, but then how do I live them with my job and my schedule and my kids and the relationship that I'm in or the one I'm pursuing? And so I just want to invite you to to bring your questions and to contact me about coaching, about exploring these things. Because, again, if you align yourself with these laws, it's going to lead to a life of joy and well-being. If you don't, and hardly any, and you won't align yourself with these things left to yourself, unless you've done a whole lot of work, right? Most of us need, like I needed a coach to help me learn about all this stuff. By the way, where do you think I learned this stuff? In some book? This stuff doesn't appear in a book. Certainly not in a university classroom on psychology. They have no idea about this stuff. Okay, This is learned in the trenches. <laughs> this is learned by people who have spent their life looking at their own experience, meditating and mining their own feelings and their own dynamics, and it's been dug out of the dirt. So... That's why coaching with someone who's lived this stuff and been through it and sort of conquered it in their own life, that's the kind of person you want to support you in this kind of journey, right? The the university training in psychology and psychiatry is good for certain things, but not for the kind of things that we're talking about on this podcast. My wife, who's a therapist, will be the first one to tell you that she doesn't She wasn't trained in and doesn't have any understanding of the kind of things I'm talking about. She doesn't do it with her clients. But I'm not trained to deal with PTSD and bipolar and self-mutilation and, and, um, you know, severe anxiety disorders, clinical depression. She knows how to deal with all that crap. But she's, she's not been trained to do what we're talking about here. 
So you need someone to help you apply these things to your life and you need the right someone who is really trained in it and personally experienced it. And so that's that's all I'll say about that. And so if you want to pursue working with me, let's just have a free conversation. No pressure, right? Just email me. We'll set up a time to talk. 30, 40 minutes. Get to know each other. I'll t- tell you about my program. See if we're a good fit. Tell you about the price, the whole thing, okay? You can contact me, Roy, at coachingwithroy.com. Or you can just call me, text me to set up an, an appointment, 407 687 3387. So, all right, week number one was the law of attraction. Week number two was the law of attention. Week number three was the law of opposites. Next week, we go in the spiritual realm and we talk about the law of suffering. Why do we suffer? Why do why are we unhappy? What is the root of suffering? That's next week. And until then, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.